In this episode, we're following the journey of one first home buyer who from the very outset decided she wanted to use a buyer's agent. And don't for one minute think that's because she had a huge income or a gift from her parents. Instead, she's overcome a whole bunch of obstacles in the process. How did she do it? Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyer's agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. hear Sarah's story. And this one is a little different. No, she is not a Home Buyer Academy graduate. Instead, she decided very early on in her process, she was going to outsource. I found out about Sarah from talking to her buyer's agent who was so impressed with her whole approach. And when I heard her story too, I was impressed and wanted to share it with you. Sarah is the first person in her entire family to ever buy a property and she's not even 30. Okay, but before we get to that, we've got to ask Megan, what the hell is your house this week on the video <laughs> behind you? Because I cannot understand why you're showing us this one. It looks like a You'd really think it was ugly- like a carbuncle or something like that. But no, this is Poland. It- and here behind me <laughs> is the narrowest house Ooh. I can find on the internet. It is 153 centimetres wide. There is a photo online. Check it out. It's called the Kret, a Keret House, K-E-R-E-T, Keret House in Poland. And it is as wide as a bed, but not quite a full-size bed wide. <laughs> oh, imagine so... trying to tuck the sheets in. <laughs> like you'd never be able to get the sheets in, would you? No, like this, <laughs> you'd, you'd constantly be struggling. If, you ever, if you've ever made a bunk bed for a kid and it's up against a wall, it's just it's like this kind of ruins your knuckles. bizarre dance that you do on. Anyway, we digress. Let's right. go on. I can't wait to hear how Sarah did this. Thanks yeah. for coming along, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, let's well, start at the beginning. Can you give us a little bit about your background so that we've got a bit of context about, you know, where you've come from, where you've got to and why this was such a big step for you? Yeah, sure. So um, I come from a single parent household. So I've been raised by my mum and I have a little sister who's 10 years younger than me and not having anyone in my family who owns a house, it has been kind of a, what do I do? I don't know where to start. I have no idea. I have no one to speak to, you know, some of my friends own their houses, but, you know, no one in my family that I could really lean on. Um, And that's pretty much how I 
started Googling and researching and every single question under the sun. Um, and it happened to be during the first COVID lockdown that we don't like to speak of um, <laughs> that I had some sudden time to actually do my research. So, um, yeah, that's when I started and found out what a buyer's agent was and thought that, oh, my goodness, I need an expert. That sounds like an expert. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Wow. I've got millions of questions going through Mm. my head. The first one is um, like currently in the market, there's a lot of talk about affordability or unaffordability of housing and and how first home buyers are locked out of the market, that you need two incomes to be able to, and and to put it in context, you bought in the Central Coast as well. So it's not in Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane, Mm. but it's certainly still an expensive area. Still an expensive area, yeah. Um, You know, so people are often saying we're locked out of the market, the youth are locked out of the market, unless you have a parent with a home already and the ability to help, you're never going to get there. And yet you've just gone and blown every single one of those arguments out of the window. And so I'm curious to understand where did the idea come from originally to say, I want to buy a home? And, And how did you overcome the obstacle, not just of just generally how difficult it is to buy property, but also that you you don't have any precedent in your immediate family. Yeah, so the main driving factor was the fact that my mum has always rented, um, so I've grown up having to move houses quite a lot. Um, And there was one period there, I think, for three or four years, every year our 12-month lease, it would sell and we would have to Um, And it was devastating. Um, And the other driving factor is I love cats. So I have a pet cat and it was very hard to get a rental with pets allowed. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I just went, I can't do this. I really want to have my own place where I'm never going to get kicked out of, where I don't have to worry about that. I can have my cat. I don't have to worry or stress about anything. Um, So that was my motivation definitely behind wanting to purchase my own home. how it all came about and everything like that was that, sorry. Can you hear cat? that crackling? Is that your cat? He is my cat. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a beautiful part of being live, right? <laughs> sorry, let me just kick her out. I'll be one That's all right. That's all right. That's hilarious. I've had, you know, I haven't had a cat for a long time. Like, and I do <laughs> want one. That. I really want a cat. But I love the fact that they can walk across your, your keyboard. I think that's oh. that's a bit of fun. The amount of times I've typed they the want. wrong thing to someone and it was my cat. <laughs> um, uh, where yeah. are we up to? So you're just getting on to like how it all what What brought it about was obviously, you know, you had to find the a desire for cat for you weren't going to get kicked out of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. And, you know, my mum... My mum would be a big um, influence for me as well. She's such a hard worker and she's always kind of had that mindset of, you know, if you work hard, you can do anything. Um, And she's just been amazing. So I went, you know what, I can do this. I talked to my mum about it. Um, You know, it started doing some, always some Googling, (laughs) you know. There's some grants out there. There's some information out there. And I just went, you know what, I I can do this. I'm going to put everything into it. And 
generally, I think with me, if I put my mind to it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> sounds like it. There's a lot of internal fortitude there that might, it sounds like it's been passed down from your mum as well. Yeah. So, so did she have, you said that there wasn't a, a lot of people within your family circle, your immediate circle that you could sort of turn to for advice, but what, you know, what were the, some of the things that your mum said when you, when you said, I, I think I'm going to buy, a ha- I'm going to go and buy a property for myself. What was her yeah, She was very supportive. She, she was like, well, you know what you're like. I know what you're like. You work hard. You can do it. Let's let's do it. You can do it. Um, and she was just so impressed that I had come to that decision. She was very excited for me. So, yeah. Oh, and probably very proud now, I'd imagine, too. Oh, she's so proud. Yeah, when I did call her, spoiler alert, I just bought a house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when I did give her the phone call and said, you know, I got it, basically, both both bawling our eyes out. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Tell me, so so that's the exciting bit. We're going to get to the exciting bit and how you got there. <laughs> but one of the hardest things that most people really struggle with is how to save up the deposit. So what were some of the things that you did to enable you to get enough together to, to actually you know, go to the bank and say, well, here's my deposit. How much can I borrow? Yeah, so it was the strictest budget ever. (laughs) Um, So I did a full Excel spreadsheet budget. Um, I think I went to one of the government smart money websites and downloaded their um, budget tools. That's a great budget tool there, isn't it? Oh, Mm. really, really good. Yeah. And I had no idea that was out there. That was something again that I came across when I was doing my research with Google. Um, And I went, yep, okay, I'm going to budget. I can do this. Um, and it was pretty much now that I know what I'm spending my money on, what can I stop spending my money on that I don't need (laughs) um, that can go as extra money towards my savings. Yeah. And what were some of those things? What were some of the little things? Oh, gosh. Yeah, nails, hair. (laughs) Right. So you're like Rapunzel. (laughs) So did you not have a haircut for two years? (laughs) Pretty much. And it was all during COVID when I was all deciding all of this, Um, you know, when I really started to knuckle down. So I couldn't go to the hairdressers. So some of the decisions were made for me. (laughs) (laughs) There was so much forced saving during COVID, wasn't there? Because... Um, unless you did Uber Eats, you couldn't really go out. So, yeah. you know, movies, events, sporting, fix, all that sort of thing kind of went went out the window. There was no there was no opera. There was no, you know, any of those sort of cultural things that you normally go to were really just streamed at all during that time. It was a great forced saving period for some people. And I think I've kept that kind of mentality with ah. things, you know, which I think has been the main thing right at the end there, keeping that mentality and, being like, you know what, we don't need to go out for an expensive dinner or something. Let's go have a picnic and go for a walk and bring our own cheeses and wine. <laughs> oh, fabulous. <laughs> so I did that a couple of times. <laughs> Very nice. So how long did the how long did it take you to save the deposit? So I think it was about three or four years. So I had been saving for a holiday um, before mm. COVID. And we were going to fly to Alaska and to do oh. a cruise and it was a very big holiday. So I had actually been saving for that first. And then when COVID hit, that little nest egg that I had had flipped over. So I think I had about $10,000 $10, at the time and couldn't spend it. So that went as my starting blocks for my house deposit. Okay. 
It's not an unusual thing to hear at the moment that people who were going to allocate funds to holidays actually redirected it to either buying a home or renovating in some cases if they already had a home. So the poor old travel industry got a bit of a shock, but the renovation and building industry and and, um, it's been great for people to be able to get that discipline around savings. So congratulations. So three or four years, that's that's actually pretty good speedy progress. Yeah, I was very strict on myself. <laughs> so, when did you? F- so, when you started Googling, right? So, you, you've, you've got the budgeting tool, and, and what are some of the other things? And obviously, you learned about the existence of buyers' agents and the idea yeah. about using one. I guess, what else did you learn about in that research phase? And then, at what point did you reach out to a buyers' agent? And how did you work out who to reach out to? Yeah, so the main things that kept popping up in podcasts and articles and everything was about a team and building your team. And that really resonated with me being on my own, um, doing this on my own. I didn't have a team. So I was like, okay, that's what I need to find. And that's when the buyer's agents came up and things like that. They talked about getting a mortgage broker. Don't just go to your bank, you know, all these sorts of things. They're all your team conveyancer you know, it just never ends. (laughs) Um, So that was the main thing that I had first found out about. And that's what led me to the buyer's agent. Um, Then when I was researching for that, I was looking for a local. um, And I did want to really support another like woman, someone working in the field. That's something that I valued a lot. Um, And that's when I was very lucky that I had found that in Google because it was a bit of a (laughs) niche market there. Um, And that's pretty much where my research had kind of gotten me to. And when I picked up the phone, that's when Michelle and Linda, they gave me everything I needed to know. And I went, okay, right, including they gave me a mortgage broker, um, her contact details, and put me in touch with her as well and it just went from there so they really started everything because I really all I had was saving (laughs) that's all I was doing that's all I had (laughs) (laughs) you know I'll just give a quick shout out to Michelle and Linda from Spring Property uh, Spring sorry Spring, Spring Buyers Agency in the Central Coast and the reason I was talking to you, Michelle, was because they've been referred to me by a, a few people, in fact, as local specialists up there. And I'm sort of building a bit of a network across the country at the moment as a bit of a side project. And so I was chatting to her and that's where that com- where you came up in the conversation. And, you know, what I also thought was so impressive is she said, oh, you know, Sarah reached out to me a year before she was ready to buy. And, and I thought not only was it great on your part to, to do that, to say, look, I'm not ready, but look, I'm just I'm wanting to get myself organised rather than leave everything to the last minute, which a lot of people do, mm. but also that as a buyer's agent, she was prepared to help you that far in advance. And there are a lot of churn and burners in the property industry, you know, in all sorts of aspects of it. But, you know, and this is one thing we talk about getting your team too. It's step one in the pay system is, is you know, assemble your support crew. And, you know, we talk about particularly with the mortgage broker as well, someone who will talk to you and help you early on so that you, as you save, you, you've got the right targets in mind and, and the right expectations and you don't make silly mistakes because you didn't know any better, you know. So I think that that's another thing that really stood out for me was that you you had really was laying down your foundations really well, but also you'd found people who were prepared to give you that support during that process. So 
Tell us a story about what happened when then, I guess, what was next? You reached out to the broker. Was that the next step? Yeah, I did. So the next step was to reach out to Melissa. So she was fantastic. And again, she actually gave me advice and was willing to talk and give me the time. And like you said, I, you know, I did have quite a few people that didn't want to talk to me when I was doing my calling around originally. Um, and I was getting some bad advice. You know, people wanted me to buy all these different things and <laughs> go well, with tell them. Us and more about tell that. us more about that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I had quite a few wanting me to do off the plan. <laughs> um, you know, what were your thoughts on that? 2% deposit, was it? Or 1% <laughs> deposit or something crazy, which I'd never heard of. And how then did you know the how building did you know grants that that, at the time? <laughs> yeah, but how did you know that that wasn't a good idea? It was just a gut feeling, honestly. It really was. I just did not click with the people that I was talking to. I could feel like they were talking over me or they were just sales, 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 and it just didn't sit right. Um, I did a bit of Googling to back up my feeling, but I think that's the thing as well. It's not just about getting anybody on your team. You really want to make sure that you connect and click and you know that this person actually has your best interests. You want to find the right people for you, not just anybody. And that was what I noticed with Michelle and Linda. I was like, oh, gosh, what a connection. They get me. You know, they were so helpful. I had the best feeling knowing that they would be guiding me through this process. And then it got even better when they put me in touch with my mortgage broker. So when I spoke to her, I got all the same feelings. I went, oh, she's got my best interest at at heart. Um, and, you know, they all believed in me and it was just, it was awesome. So I think that's a, <laughs> that's just a side note, not just anybody. You want to get the right people that, you know, work for you as well. Yeah. What, what was the, some of the things that you talked about with Melissa, your mortgage broker, that surprised you? You know, what, what were some of those eye-opening moments when you were talking through the whole lending process? Oh, everything. (laughs) That sounds silly, but even to this day, you know, today I actually signed my mortgage documents. Congratulations. Thank you. It's just there is so much that you don't realise you don't know. (laughs) And I went, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, she was talking me through the different grants, um, lenders mortgage insurance, stamp duty, how it all works. Like I had no idea about any of that. Um, yeah, the first home buyer 5% deposit scheme, I didn't know anything about that. So they were all things that she was able to clearly explain to me so that I could understand how much of a deposit I would need. And at this time when I reached out to her, I didn't have the deposit I needed. So she was giving me a good idea of what I needed my goal to be. And that's really what I needed at that point in time was a goal so that I could actually take the next step because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> did you use any of the grants? I did. I got the 5% deposit. So um, very exciting. And, again, pays to have a really good team because mm. it was in January, I think, they released the extra 4,000 mm. spots. I got one within 24 hours. Um, so, yeah, I didn't have one at the time and it was just perfect timing and she knew I was reaching my goal for my savings around that time and she said, are you there yet? There's grants about to come out. I've just heard it's going to happen in the next 48 hours. That day I think I put my last couple of hundred dollars in to get me over the line Um, and we went, yep, ready to go and she got me in, knew which bank would have enough grants, knew who to go with, 
got me in straight away, knew what the rates would be, and, yeah, I got the 5%. Um, so that was a huge, huge difference. Yeah. Um, and the other one that I um, – stamp duty was waived because my purchase was under, I think, six fifty. it is. Um, and obviously with the 5% as well, I don't pay lenders mortgage insurance. So all of the above <laughs> were all pretty much waived, which was great. Amazing. And you didn't have to buy brand new. No, I didn't have to buy brand new. I got a beautiful established um, little villa and it's just beautiful. You know, hardwood floors, plantation shutters, all these things I didn't think I could ever afford. <laughs> Stunning. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. so you ended up you ended up with a villa. Was that when you when you first had that vision of I'm going to find my my first home? What were you thinking in your head versus what you ended up with? Were, were they sort of similar, or did you find that there was movement and changes along the way? Oh, it was a process. I um, yeah, completely different to what I had originally planned. So I did have to kind of reflect on what I was after, make a list of things that I really, really wanted, things that would be nice to have, you know, go through all my values and my priorities. Um, and it is hard. It's such a process where I felt like I was getting misled by what I think I should get, what people might expect me to buy, you know. Should I be buying a family home so I can resell it later to a young family? You know, but that's not me. That's I'm not there yet. I might not be there for five, ten years. Um, you know, it's just for me. <laughs> so mm. um And the cats. And the cats. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, so and you know, who I am as a person, I do love a little bit of luxury and you know, those sorts of things. So for me, a few houses that we looked at were either houses or a duplex because of my budget. Um, they had a nice size yard and all this sort of thing, but they would require a lot of work. Um, and I was prepared to do some DIY and get in there. Um, but when we looked at the villa that came up, it was just every tiny luxury that I love. And I oh. went, if there's me in a house, oh, there was so much. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. There was a, there's a skylight in the bathroom. There's a niche in the shower. It's got air con. It's got a bath. Like all these things that were like a positive to have a little bonus it had in already in it it's got a fire pit it's got a little deck like it's just beautiful wow <laughs> so yeah all these things that I actually didn't even think I could get and you know I had on my would be nice list mm. and those are some of the things that with Michelle and Linda they understood who I was they got to know me they not only knew what I was after in a house, but they knew me as a person. So when this came up and it had all these cute little luxury extras, they knew it was very much me in a house and they suggested it to me, even though it didn't tick all my boxes originally. But when I got in and saw it, I went, this is it. <laughs> so you, you sort of went through that journey of working out what were the compromises that were right yep. for you. And, and for you, the compromise that was right was going from a house to a villa. Yeah. which gave you all those other things that were on your nice-to-have list. Wow, what a what a big journey to go through. Yeah, it was crazy, and I can't imagine doing it on my own <laughs> still. I can't imagine doing it on my own. I know a lot of my clients, and I'm sure, Megan, you have the same thing. You know, we help a lot of women, single women, at all different ages, yeah. and a lot of the 
a lot of the time they'll say that it's like having someone else there as a sounding board. You know, you mm. don't have a partner, so you don't have to toss around. Mind you, it's hard, sometimes harder with a partner because, yeah. like, you've got to negotiate with them. There's compromises on the property yeah. and compromises on what they want. Yes. Exactly right. So, you know, having someone as a sounding board, I know even in the course in Home Buyer Academy, we get a lot of people doing that and using the forum to communicate with us saying that, you know, once again, you know, there's a lot of women that are, buying a property and, it's you know, support there for them not to go through it alone. Mm. So I guess how would you say that by using a buyer's agent, you how did that shape your property search? Did you find that you actually probably, like with the villa, for instance, would you do you think you would have looked at it if you'd been out there looking on your own? Do you think that you would have even noticed it or because it didn't tickle these other boxes, it wouldn't even been under your radar? Yeah, I honestly don't know if I would have looked at it, which is scary to think yeah. <laughs> I could have missed out on such a yeah. great property. Um, most of the properties we looked at were off market, which was also really cool. And, you know, being the only person to look was really exciting and I felt very special. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really don't think that I would have looked at that property because yeah, it didn't tick some of those major boxes. You know, I wanted an office, but this one actually had a spare bedroom instead so you know things like that that if I had have been just doing my realestate.com search and it didn't tick the boxes it wouldn't have come up Mm. Um, Mm. yeah so it was yeah it's quite eye-opening and yeah scary to reflect that I may not have even looked at that what about the location was that in an area that you were actively looking in or did you find that you had to sort of spread your wings a little bit there too it was very interesting because it wasn't on my list of suburbs when I initially met um, with Michelle and Linda. So when we had our first conversation and I was telling them about what I was after, they suggested the suburb. Mm. And I was like, yep, I am open to that suburb. Don't know why I didn't consider it. (laughs) Mm. Um, So yeah, so it was included in our search, but it wasn't actually on my radar to start with. So that was their suggestion. Isn't that so important? You you mentioned right at the start that one of the things that you were really looking for was local knowledge, that local expertise. Yeah. And I think that just, you know, that just reinforces you knew of the suburb and there, it, there was no reason why you wouldn't consider it, but you just hadn't. And, and it's almost that, you know, that eye-opening local knowledge, here's how it compares to the suburbs that you think that you like and, and that we've been looking in. And it's almost like a, I don't know, light bulb moment where you go, yeah, actually, that does sound good, but you'd never put it into a realestate.com search. No, that's right. And it was <laughs> definitely a light bulb moment. I had many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some of the other ones. What are some of the others? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, stairs. So um, <laughs> didn't even consider that, but a lot of the places were upstairs, you know, two-storey duplexes or villas and that sort of thing mm. and this one doesn't have stairs and the you know it was something where I was like I would love to have an upstairs I would love to go upstairs to the bedrooms and that sort of thing and you know guests don't go upstairs and you know all these sorts of fantasies that I had <laughs> and then when I went and actually had a look and the amount of times I had to climb up and downstairs I went you know what let's go for one story <laughs> 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 so that was a fun one um even um, light bulb moments about just the suburbs that we were looking in yeah. sometimes I had a suburb that was high on my priority that we were looking at and you know somewhere I wanted to be but by the time I'd actually driven out there in the fast streets that it was in all the way out might as well not have been in that suburb so it didn't really matter at the end for that <laughs> suburb if it was in there or not because it was so far away it was the biggest drive and traffic I went okay that suburb is only half only this half <laughs> 
Yeah, right. So you actually start to to narrow down, you know, localities within suburbs. Mm. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep. And this is something actually that you know people that buy um, where they're not living, you know, if they don't realise how far things are, it depends because mm. you can come at, at places from different directions too. And if you come from one direction, you don't realise how far it is from amenities or, or whatever. And if you're not, if you don't have local knowledge. When you're sort of working with these buyers agents, I mean, the thing is that I don't know when we're going through properties with clients, and I'm sure it's the same with you, Megan, that quite often the client will go, oh, my God, I never would even see the negatives. You know, I wouldn't even notice that, to avoid that or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And so I guess, and also there's a whole due diligence process, isn't there? And and often buyers just don't do enough due diligence. Were there some of those sort of um, examples that you can give where you go, oh, and you'd learn about property itself or different properties and, and things to avoid? Oh, yes. Um, with all the recent rain, it was the best time to inspect houses. Yes. <laughs> so I could see for flooding or leaks and things like that. Yeah. So um, I was very much so enjoying doing all my inspections on a rainy day. Um, and, yeah, that was that was an eye-opener, um, knowing the backyard's pool and things mm. like that. Mm. And, yeah, things that you wouldn't have noticed in summer. Um, even the other day I went for a drive to Sydney and the planes were all landing and I went, oh, Imagine some people might have bought houses during COVID where there was no planes yes. and now you're hearing all the planes. Yes, and yeah. busy streets. I think yeah. that is so true you know, because absolutely there was hardly anything in the sky and there wasn't much on the street. So if you bought something during that time, you might be in for a rude shock when air travel resumes. We had to, we were constantly reminding people, like I know, I mean, even myself forgotten, you know, and I do live under the flight path um, and I've lived under worse flight paths than here than better ones, right? So, um, and I, when I first moved in, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I've forgotten about those. They're pretty annoying, but um, <laughs> but there's lots of other benefits living where I live and I, I knew I was up for it. But recently it's like, oh my God. And we would, we would be reminding clients, we were looking under flight paths and saying, I know, I don't know how to remind you how noisy it can be. Yeah, yeah. Because when one day this will all be over and you will not like me if you buy this and you, and I have <laughs> yes. not hammered this home, you know. <laughs> I remember doing an inspection on a property in a suburb very, very early in buyer's agency. I'm talk talking 17 years ago and it was a particular suburb that we don't buy in but um, I, I went out with um, with another buyer's agent and, went, and we literally looked up and you could high-five the pilot. Yeah. It was that close <laughs> to the house. It was so low. Does that happen in Brisbane too, does it? <laughs> well, we're about to get our, our flight paths um, redirected, so that's a bit exciting for a lot of people. Well, More out over be the bay. Oh, okay. I was about to say it could be very, very um, disappointing for some people. It has been disappointing flight. for people, but there's mm. going to be more directed over the bay, which could be – anyway, we, do, we digress. We do. But yes. That's a whole other podcast, but, flight but, paths. But, <laughs> yeah, we, yes, we should do one. We're going to do one on floods. We should do one on flight path. Now, but on that, Sarah, you know, in terms of the, using a buyer's agent, because, you know, you – you expect, and I'm, and I don't know. I haven't preempted this question, so I don't know what you're going to tell us. But I would expect that any buyer's agent should be doing due diligence when they buy a property for a client. Now, I know a lot don't. So there you go. There's a big warning sign for anyone going to use a buyer's agent. You need someone who is a local specialist. You need someone who is going to do all the things that they need to do to find out whether that's the right property for you, whether there's any deal breakers. Someone who actually gives a shit about you, and someone who's experienced and got a good track record and is going to be around long enough so that if you something does go wrong they're still there to actually answer your questions 
Tell me about that due diligence process once you'd found this property. What did they do to make sure that you could cover off to make sure that you weren't making a mistake? They did so much and at all hours of the night, <laughs> I was getting emails and messages. So um, one of the first things was this was actually an on-the-market property. So that day when I looked at it, there were multiple people asking for contracts mm. and there were offers coming in and straight so away. Private treaty, not auction? Yes, private. Okay. Yes. Um, so, yeah, straight away they were looking at comparable sales. So they did the full Excel spreadsheet of everything that's similar, what they sold for in that suburb. It was very relevant. So we could actually get a perspective of what we should pay, what we should offer. Um, and it made me feel really comfortable with the process as well because I didn't know what to offer. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, you know, it, they were already getting offers higher than what the price had been set at um, and it could have gone crazy. It was a beautiful property. Um, mm. So that was the first thing that they did was put together this spreadsheet so that I had all the research in the suburb um, and it actually ended up coming down to a best and final which was stressful. <laughs> mm. um, but, you know, we knew what we were comfortable to pay. We had it all there. We'd done all of our research. So I felt so confident and we just said, look, this is our best and final. And if we don't get it, we are comfortable because we have not overpaid. And that was a big, big thing that they were really looking after me with as well. Was they were like, we're not going to let you go crazy with this one. This is what we're comfortable for you to put in as well. Um, this is what's comparable in the suburb. So that was one of the big things they did. And then, yeah, it has been crazy. Let me tell you, the last week <laughs> in the cooling off period has been crazy. So building inspections, pest inspections, strata reports, it has just been nonstop getting it all done, um, getting a conveyancer for me. They did all of that. So put me in touch straight away. I had multiple Zoom meetings, going through contracts, going through strata, going through all the drama of all of that. Yes. <laughs> and it was just so easy. Everything just came straight to me, all in came in, you know, into my inbox. There's this paperwork to read, there's this to sign, and then there's this to do, and it all was just there. So um it was a lot. It was so much work. And I would have never have done any of that if not some of it. <laughs> so so that's an interesting point because how would you have fit all of that in while you were working? In hindsight, no, now that you've done it. <laughs> Even as it was, you know, I was working and then at night I'd come home and check my inbox. Yep, okay, there's three emails of all this stuff I have to do tonight. <laughs> yeah. And it was a very tight deadline, so it did need to be done straight away. Mm. So I don't know how I would have been able to work. I would have had to take time off and I didn't know. I would not have known that I would needed time off mm. um, if I was doing this on my own. So it would have been a last-minute call in. Sorry, guys got heaps to do <laughs> mm, yeah and it never happens all on one day you can't do like all of your home buying admin on one day there's a progress of of different tasks that you need to do and, and some things are dependent on others and and all those sorts of things so you mentioned that it's all done and dusted now it's unconditional you've popped the champagne yep yep it has <laughs> been amazing so I'm so excited I still can't believe it and it would not have been possible at all without my team, you know. Even at the very end there, I think yesterday, I had one more little hiccup where um, because I have the 5% scheme, the vendor was still wanting a 10% deposit. So my conveyancer was in there fighting it. She got other clauses taken out of my contract yesterday. They wanted to use my deposit for their deposit. 
for ah, the next yes. house. Oh, they wanted it released. Mm. Okay. Yeah, so I didn't know anything about that. I wouldn't have known what that meant in a contract to look at that on my own. So she was there doing all this work in the background and this all happened yesterday. So it's all very fresh in my mind. Um, of all these things I would not know about, all these, you know, things that could have gone wrong. Um, yeah, so all that sort of stuff I would not have known. But, yet all done now. It is so exciting. Pop the champagne. Very excited. <laughs> Looking at some cool furniture. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're decorating. Love it. You've got any money left. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. I was like, okay. But, look, I've actually got a longer settlement, so I'm excited about that. I've got an extra two weeks. So two more weeks of saving for some cool furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. It's so cool because, like, you know, that whole process, even though you've exchanged contracts. So in New South Wales, you exchange contracts, and if you get a cooling off period because it's not always on offer, then um, then you get five working days to get all of this due diligence done. Is what you're talking about there? So yep. it's a bit of a mad rush, and your head would be spinning if you didn't know. You're relying on the sales agent to tell you what needs to be done, and at the end of the day, they don't necessarily want you doing too. Yeah, rigorous. they don't want you to find things out. No, because then you might pull out of the sale. You know, pull out of the purchase, and and obviously there's a penalty for anyone to pull out during the cooling off period however it, there's still a risk if the vendor can't pull out but the buyer can mm. if they find something out so the other important thing is that having a conveyancer that's working hard for you because you know only recently it was actually a client of ours was using a, a lawyer that that we didn't recommend they they'd found themselves and this lawyer kept raising all these issues but then going, there you go, you sort it out, you need to do your research and sort of just sort of going, oh, but this is a problem and, and just passing it onto the client. So then, of course, it was coming back to us and we're like, hang on a minute, this is something that only a lawyer can advise you on. Yes. So, so we're sort of like this is this drama triangle happening. Well, we're, we're going back to the client and to the lawyer to go, these are the questions you need to answer. You know, it was ridiculous. And whereas other lawyers would, would actually explain things, go in and advocate for their client, you know what I mean? There's, there's a real difference in the service level. So it sounds like you did have that great team. Mm. And was that conveyance, obviously, was found by the buyer's agent as well. I guess that's one of the benefits of using a really good buyer's agent. They know they're a really good broker, they're a really good conveyancer. Um, it sounds like that's exactly how it played out for you. Yep, exactly. They had their team as well and put me in touch with everyone. Um, yeah, and all of that drama was taken care of. You know, I heard about it after it was sorted. Wow. You need to make the decisions and pay the money. It's <laughs> <laughs> what, um, Sarah, I'm really interested and we do ask all of um, the first-time buyers who we have on the podcast this question. But what's your one piece of advice for first-home buyers who are still climbing the mountain? We call it climbing the mountain. It's sort of akin to getting yourself up to the summit and not falling off uh, along the way. So what, what? now that you've been through this, what's the one piece of advice you, you would give to other people still going through the process? Yeah, well, look, anyone can do it. That is the thing. Anyone can do this. But my advice is you need to have the right team. Trust the experts. If you think about your own job and what you do and how good you are at your own job, imagine how good they are at their jobs mm -hmm. and helping you. And that was really what it came down for for me is that I know that I've got skills in my job, so I can definitely understand and trust the experts in this. This is what you do day in and day out, and that's who I want to have helping me. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. That's such good advice. Um, I, I 
think that one of the things that Veronica and I ram home to people constantly is about, you know, the, the team, the team, the team, get the team up. And at the start, because as you said, and I think this is awesome, you said right from the start, you had the team. So as you are preparing yourself and building your deposit, you were learning along the way and building and building your team. So you knew when things were happening and what was going to happen and what the impact was going to be. Yep. See, a lot of people, they only get that help when they've saved the money. And it's a real chicken in the egg because, like you said, you didn't even know how much you needed to save, you know. So <laughs> yeah. you sort of you need to get the team. And it's a bit like doing the Home Buyer Academy course for any of you out there that thinking, okay, well, I can't afford a buyer's agent, but you really want to know how to do it properly yeah, and thoroughly yeah. and get it right. You need to actually do that and learn all that stuff early before you've saved the money. Don't be one of these people that does the course and then two weeks later you buy the property because you're just basically, you know, you're doing a mad cram because you found something, you know. It's like <laughs> use it to prevent prepare and arm yourself with all the information you need like really you know don't don't dive out was it um don't overanalyze yourself into inaction you know just yeah analysis paralysis is the opposite side isn't it (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're so excited for you sarah well done congratulations so thank you for sharing your story and your your journey with us it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and uh, feel free me. to share some photos with us. We'll pop them on the, you know, well done I will. Board. Thank you. <laughs> In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.